0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another cup of Joe podcast on this Wednesday, January the nineteenth. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace, and God's goodness, and God's mercy today. Thanks for being present and breaking open God's word with me. That's, you know, again, forgive. I, I go back to it, but but the most important part of this whole podcast. Is not my reflection. It is not even the rosary. It is the gospel, and for you to 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 be with me and simply break open God's word and chew on that for the rest of the day—that is good stuff. I'm I'm grateful that you are with me today to do that. So let's do that. Uh, I mentioned yesterday we finished up the second chapter of Mark's gospel. Well, today we're just going to flow right into the third. So for those of you who like to Read along, Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Let's break open God's Word together. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember this, brothers and sisters. This is the beginning of chapter 3. Mark's gospel is 16 chapters long. The passion of Jesus, now I should have looked this up. The passion of Jesus doesn't start, I think, in Mark until the 15th chapter. Maybe the 14th, but I think the 15th. Um, We're in chapter 3. Jesus was baptized in chapter 1, went out into the desert, came in, at the end of chapter 1, and proclaimed, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Effectively, we've had maybe, maybe, a half of chapter 1, that might be generous, maybe a third of chapter 1, and chapter 2. And already here, at the beginning of chapter 3, Jesus has enemies, not only enemies, we know he's, he's had enemies, he has enemies that are trying to kill him. So for the rest of his ministry, he is, in a sense, walking against the wind, right? He's already got his detractors by him that are going to fight him at every turn. They've already been fighting him. I mean, we pointed that out, I think, a week ago or so. Every story, it's like he's got somebody up against him. Goodness sakes, this week, I mean, he's had the disciples of John the Baptist and the Pharisees twice, Here's the third. And it's only Wednesday. Day ain't over yet. Week ain't over yet. You know, it's, uh, how does that feel, my friends, for you and I? I know how it feels for me. I hate it. When I, when I see and encounter someone who I know, um, doesn't have my best, uh, wishes or, uh, my best, um, Oh, I don't know. Ideas, best, I don't know, well wishes. I'll just leave it at that in mind. How does that feel for you when you encounter people like that? For me, again, I'm not going to say this is universal, but for me, that is so draining of energy. It saps the joy straight out from me. It saps my strength. It straps my, it, 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 it saps my, my rationale um i i just become sometimes overly emotional and angry and it it just uses my energy and uh, and here jesus effectively for well for the vast majority of his ministry that's the world that he lived in so if my friends that is a world that we find ourselves in and the truth is We all find ourselves in that world from time to time. If we don't, if we don't, I'm almost going to question your integrity and my integrity. Do we sway with the wind so much that nobody knows who we are and therefore we don't get in trouble and they don't, you know, get angry with us? Is that who we are? I'm not sure that's any better. In fact, I might argue that's worse. But if we are going to be true to who we are, if we're going to be true to to who, how God made us, if we're going to be true to what our voice is, remember, because that voice only comes from one place—the the true voice that's within us. Um, we have to live out of that place, and in living out of that place, it is going to create enemies. We follow in the in the path, we follow in the footsteps of one who had enemies, uh, for the vast majority of his public life? How do we do it in a way that we don't become the very thing we detest, that we don't become anger, that we don't become division, that we don't become bitter, that we don't become callous, that we don't become the very monster that we try to avoid when we see these people? Um, How do we do it with a good heart and a pure heart? These are rhetorical questions. And the only answer I have is to root myself in prayer and and to listen, to listen to the voice of God. I mean, I I think there's probably no, uh, I mean, we see Jesus constantly going off onto his own to spend time in prayer. And I suspect that had to be what he was about because he had to say, God, I can't carry this baggage. You got to help me release it. Because if he was fully human, and he was, Uh, He had to deal with the same stuff you and I do. And the only place I, I, in my life, have known is to make sure that he, God, I don't mean to to masculinize God, is to make sure that God um, assists us in putting that baggage down and, and having no desire to pick it back up. Now, here's what else we can do. Here's what else we can do make sure we surround ourselves with those people whose counsel we trust, whose integrity we trust, whose goodness we trust. Because in a sense, they become the face of God for us. Because, okay, yes, prayer, let's make sure we do it. Let's make sure we go off to the deserted place to to listen to the voice of God. But when we cannot, or sometimes when we need someone to look us in the eye and remind us, you are the beloved one, you are good, what they're saying is wrong, or Hey, what they're saying may have hints of truth into it, but but let's remember what, what you were intending here. Whatever it would be, let's surround ourselves with those people whom we trust and whom we need to go to and can go to when we need people just to look at us in the face and say, you are loved. And I love you not in your perfections, but even in your imperfections, so we can breathe again, so we can breathe again point number one point number two is this you know gosh darn we're on we're on this synagogue again aren't we that's just where we were yesterday and that whole debate about the law the law you know yesterday they were picking uh picking the the heads off the wheat and and making their own paths and and that was work and they went over 50 steps or whatever it is and it's like why do your people why is it okay that you're breaking the law well what's the law for so whether it is the same Sabbath here, because it's immediately following, or whether it's a different Sabbath. We've got people that are watching him closely and waiting for him to slip up. That's what they're looking for. I want to use this as an example. I listen to a podcast every day called The Daily. Yeah? Appropriately titled, huh? It's, it's put out by the New York Times, free of charge. If you If you have... 20 to 30 minutes in your day and you're looking for a smart, good podcast grounded uh, to listen to. It's called again the Daily put out by the New York Times free and each day they go over one news item. It might be cultural. Last week they did one on Sydney Portier. It was fantastic. Today, and this is the reason I bring this up. Today they did it on uh, the the. US. War against ISIS. So this was back years ago, and what it talked about was the drone attacks during that war against ISIS, and how the U.S. government—I'll um, use—I'll say covered up, but really didn't pay attention to the civilian casualties that its drone war, that its drone strikes were causing. And the reason I bring this up is because of this. There was one time through their drone security cameras, whoever it was, and I don't know who it was, I don't know what branch it was, so I'm I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Whoever was on one side of the camera was watching and saw this car filled with uh, white, uh, bags of something white, and they thought it was nitroglycerin whoever was watching uh, through the drone security camera. And they watched, or the drones must have gone down there or whatever and caused uh, the car to get in an accident. And when the car uh, exploded, it looked like there was a secondary explosion. And therefore, they came to the conclusion that, ha-ha, there must have been nitroglycerin because of this secondary explosion. And then they watched where these people worked, and they thought that must be where the nitroglycerin is made. So they sent drone attacks on that place, blew it up and, uh, and thought, again, they were doing good. Based on what I just said, doesn't it make, make sense, right? Well, effectively what they learned and what these papers showed and the New York Times through investigation found this out was those bags weren't full of nitroglycerin. They were full of cotton. And these people that were driving them uh, weren't, weren't, uh, ISIS soldiers. They were just normal civilians. And, um, when they got into a, an explosion or into the car accident, there was no secondary explosion. Uh, um, there was just the one, but they thought, you know, they, they, they were looking and they thought they saw something that wasn't there. And the, the factory they, they blew up was, uh, a cotton uh, factory, uh, with a cotton gin. Long diatribe to get to this point. And this is what they said on the pod, and, and it really stuck with me today because I know it's true. What we look for, brothers and sisters, we have a bias towards seeing, even if it's not there. person on the other side of the security camera wasn't a bad person. wasn't a bad person. They simply were were looking for something, and they thought they saw it. And so they, they, their eyes uh, trained, in a sense, their mind to say, that's what that must be. And when there was an accident, they, they, they looked so hard, they thought they saw a secondary explosion that wasn't there. And so they put these things together and thought they were doing good. They were looking for something so hard that they saw something that was not there. Brothers and sisters, do we do the same thing sometimes? I think we do. I think we do. We're not on the other side of a security camera. We're not. We're not watching drones. We're not doing anything. We're not even in a synagogue watching uh, somebody and saying, "Huh, is going to screw up?" But you know what? I, I think. I think our human nature is those people we don't care for because, again, in our in our minds, again, I'm painting with large strokes here. Not fair, but I think it. But I, but I think it, I'm naming part of the human condition is we like to see our enemies as our enemies and not good people, and so we paint them in black and white, you know, swaths, and and we paint ourselves, you know, in in the other color, whatever that would be, and so we look at them and we try to see something that's not there, and we convince ourselves they are bad. Why? Because of this, this, and this sometimes which may not be there, sometimes which may be. But you know what? They could look at us and see some of the same types of things because we tend to look at our own selves with these, oh, you know, that type of uh, camera lens that softens things. But we tend to look at other people very acutely, especially if we don't care for them or if we're looking to find something to not like about them. Pharisees were looking at Jesus. They were waiting for him to screw up. Why? So they could go out and plot in good conscience his death because they're putting to death a bad person. Brothers and sisters, I don't think they're that different than we are. I think we look for those people we don't care for and we just watch. And when we find it, it justifies our ill treatment of them or our ill thoughts about them. And in a sense, we place that same baggage that Jesus had to carry the majority of his public life. That's not great baggage to put on somebody. Half the time, it may simply be cotton, and a cotton gin, and a cotton factory. It's not nitroglycerin. How do we be more gentle with those people we love and those people we don't love. That we don't have to be the judge. That we can let God be God. And we can simply not put burdens on other people that they don't need to carry, nor put callous skin on our hearts uh, that makes us less than who we are. I think it's... um, A good lesson for us to ponder today in this gospel. So let's pray. So we begin, brothers and sisters, as we begin all things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The third joyful mystery, the birth of Christ. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses My friends, blessings to you on this Wednesday. Be well, uh, be held in God's wonderful, great embrace. And let's break open more of God's word together again tomorrow. God's peace.